The RSVP Trust, changing lives around the world. Hi, my name's Don Egan. Welcome to today's podcast. Today's message is about seeking the face of God. You know, sometimes we want something from God, uh, tip, typically healing or some breakthrough or some finance or uh, the resolution of a situation, and we're, we're focused on the problem. And so we only seek God's hand uh, where he gives the breakthrough or the healing. But really, we need to be seeking God's face because he is far more concerned about uh, our relationship with him because it's from that relationship that we get the real breakthrough, that we get the real healing, uh, that we get the real closeness with God. So let's go over to today's message. And I pray that as you listen... Uh, you will draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Um, I really came into the kingdom of God because I was in a pub with a friend called Brian and uh, he suddenly said, isn't Jesus wonderful? And uh, I didn't know he was religious or went to church, so I was quite shocked. And I asked, asked him why he said that. And then he explained how this lady had got healed at his church the previous Sunday. She'd had Parkinson's disease, and uh, she was very getting distressed the more uh, the symptoms came on. And so the vicar and a few people prayed with her, and uh, when she went to see the specialist on Tuesday, he confirmed she didn't have Parkinson's disease. And uh, I thought that was amazing because, you know, I didn't really go to church. I went to church when I was in the Cubs. And um, I remember thinking that, you know, it's more like a funeral service. I thought it was more likely you'd die in church. I couldn't imagine anyone getting healed in church. In fact, the church I went to had a big plaque near the door as you went out with hundreds of names on. And it said at the top, these are the names of those who've died in the services. And I I didn't know whether it was a morning service or the evening service, because I was only little. And it was obviously the military service. But I thought it was more likely you'd die in church. And so I began... Uh, going to Brian's church and found this wonderful uh, Jesus who I've been trying to follow for the last uh, 30 odd years. So tonight we're not going to do anything spooky, I'm just going to share some thoughts, a couple of stories about what God's been doing and then we're going to pray. If you read the general sweep of the four Gospels, um, you know, without any baggage in your mind, you see that Jesus does three things. He preaches, He heals the sick and he drives out darkness or demons where he meets them. He doesn't go looking for them, but he does drive them out when he meets them. And so I think that's really what we should be doing as believers in whatever arena we find ourselves in. And it doesn't mean that we always have to stand on a box or a stage to preach, but we should be sharing the good news of Jesus. We should be healing the sick and we should be driving out darkness. And uh, Jesus gave that commission to his followers when he left. I'm following you a new reading plan. I don't always follow Bible reading plans because I don't get them. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one that God was talking about when he said he'll use the foolish things of the world. So I don't kind of get Bible reading plans, but I found one I'm, I'm managing to get through. And um, I just found this verse this week from Galatians chapter 3, verse 5, which says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And 
Paul is writing to them because they received a wonderful new life through faith. And uh, someone had come in and given them a load of rules. And 2,000 years later, you tend to find that's what happens in churches. People have a wonderful conversion. They find Jesus or their, their life is transformed. And then people, you know, first suddenly say, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that, and you mustn't do the other. And what I like about uh, the ministry that Alison has begun in the UK and in Ipswich is that we've found people who've come to the Lord but still inject with heroin or sell themselves for sex. And uh, you kind of want to say, I wouldn't do that, but we don't because that's not our business. You know, we think we're okay, but you know, there's lots of things that God is still working on in our lives. And probably most of us, if not all of us, wouldn't inject heroin or sell ourselves for sex. But we need to allow people to have a relationship with Jesus. And I, I really want to focus in on that tonight. And I've been thinking about this, that uh, it isn't by the law, it isn't by keeping the Ten Commandments that we find God, but when we find God, his spirit begins to minister to us, to call us to walk in his ways. And I love the way that uh, over the years I've met prisoners and, and uh, different people who've come from very uh, dark backgrounds who just don't come with any church baggage and see things very differently. I remember meeting a man in Strangeways Jail and he came to Christ because Strangeways Jail, before the prisons burnt it down, had a lovely old chapel and either side of the door as you went into the chapel were the Ten Commandments, five commandments either side. And the first Sunday this uh, prisoner wanted to get out of his cell and so he thought, well, what's on offer? Well, the earliest thing is church. So he went to church and uh, the uh, vicar there uh, or the evangelist preached a message and he, he came forward and he was laughing and he said, it's wonderful, isn't God wonderful? It's fantastic. So they said, what, you know, what have you found that's fantastic? He said, well, when I came in, it told you what would happen if you come to Jesus. It says, I won't steal anymore. I won't commit murder. I won't commit adultery. He thought this was a list of what happened when people became Christians rather than the law. But he found in the word of God and in the law, he actually found life because he didn't quite see it that way. This week I was listening to uh, an another lady who works with uh, drug addicts and um, heroin addicts overseas. And um, she uh, was teaching this man and he came to faith. So he's been a Christian two days and she has a little group and it's just people who've been Christians for a short time. And uh, they only look at the Gospels, they don't look at the rest of the Bible initially. They just focus on the words of Jesus, which is a good thing to do. And uh, they were looking at Matthew 13 and 44, which is about the treasure in the field. And it says, The kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So she said to him, to try and get him to understand the parable, who is the man who buys the field? And the addict said, Jesus. So she said, so then, who is the treasure? 
And he said, well, it's me. Didn't he give everything to, to, to purchase me, to purchase my life? And of course, all my life, I've heard it the other way around, <laughs> as though we could buy Jesus, that it's, it's us that gave up everything for him. And um, both may be true, although we can't buy Jesus, but wonderful that Jesus came to him, who, who must have had low self-esteem and many regrets, and yet Jesus, in the two days he knew him, told him that he was a treasure to him. And God sees you that way. Whatever you've done in the past, you are a treasure to Jesus. And he is desperate to love you, to reveal his love to you. And um, sometimes people ask me, you know, how do I get healed? Because I've seen uh, many miracles, people say, how do we get healed? What are the steps? And um, there are some things you could do that would help. But the best thing you can do is just find Jesus. And you may say, well, I'm a Christian, I know Jesus. But, you know, I've been married to my wife for over 30 years. And I think she said to me this morning, I still don't understand you. And, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised, really. But we would say we would know each other. We've known each other for 30 years. We're very close. But do we really know each other? And I think we need to draw close to Jesus. And if you just meditate, like, obviously, that heroin addict had overseas, at how much Jesus gave, that he was prepared to give his self all that he was, to give up his kingship in heaven, to give up his, you know, divine throne and stoop down and to become a human being. And uh, of course he was still God when he did that, but he gave up the throne and the comforts of heaven. He was hungry, he wept, he laughed, he paid taxes, he did all the things that you and I do. And he came to that point on the cross where he gave everything even in the spiritual realm, for you, because he loves you. And we need to understand that, because sometimes when we're ill and when we're sick, it's like, how can we prize some miracle of healing out of God's hand? But in Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, What shall we say to these things? For if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, God has given you the best. All of us have been given the best. Jesus was the best thing that the Father had, and he's already given that. So to, to be healed, to find a new life, these are smaller things. They're big things, but they're smaller things than his only son. So if he gave his son, how would he not also with him, give us all things. And uh, sometimes I think we try too hard to, to get breakthroughs in prayer when we just need to seek the face of God. Sometimes it's like, you know, you, you can pray for the hand of God. You know, I remember when the kids were little, uh, you know, when I used to come home from work, they'd say, have you got any sweets? And they'd go looking in my pockets. <laughs> or when they were older, when I used to come back from Africa, they'd say, Where's the present? Not hello, Dan, but where's the present? Um, always kind of seeking the hand. Well, obviously what most parents want is someone who kind of expresses uh, happiness that you personally have come back rather than the present. 
And of course, I'm, I'm not criticising them. That we, we all kind of do that from time to time. And God, I think, really is looking for people who will seek his face. And the good thing is if you get the face, the hand comes with it. But it's possible to have something from his hand and never know his face. And so the longer I go on, the more I want to draw close to God, to seek him, to hear from him what he's doing. Jesus said, I only do want to see the Father doing when he was doing his ministry. So he spent some time looking to see what the Father was doing and did that. And um, the healings I've seen just tell me that God is compassionate towards us and loves us. And you may be struggling to get healed and you say, you know, where is my breakthrough? But first of all, pursue him. I remember uh, in Blackpool uh, uh, last year, I was at a meeting near Blackpool Tower and um, this we, we were praying with about 20, 30 people uh, on one of the three nights and this old lady was there and I say old lady but the older you get it's all relative isn't it <laughs> actually the older I get the less old she looks but um, a lady who was further up the learning curve than me should we say was there and uh, one of the church team were already praying with her and uh, when I came near, he said, it's her spine. We're praying for her spine. So we prayed, and I prayed that anything that was missing would be restored and that anything that was out of line would be put back in line. Uh, because, you know, our father created, he's the designer of the spine, so it's not a big job. And she came back the following night. She didn't particularly feel anything as we prayed. But she came back the following night, and she said, you know, for the past four years... The pain is so bad even with the painkillers because her spine was disintegrating. The doctor said it will just disintegrate. There's nothing they could do. And she said, for the past four years, every hour of every night, I have to get up and have a hot shower just to take the edge off the pain. But she said, last night I went to bed and slept right through with no pain. And she'd come back because her shoulder was hurting and she thought she might get that healed. And that's just wonderful. This little lady... She looked quite lonely, and I don't think she was a member of the church, but just came to get healed. Then, uh, probably about five, six years ago, uh, we had some meetings in Suffolk in church halls uh, with a local pastor. And um, he, he advertised miracles, and we prayed with people. Uh, and a lady came and said, I, you know, I've got the leaflet, I've been blind for 40 years, but someone's told me, you said you do miracles, so I've been blind 40 years, I'd like to see and uh, we prayed with this lady, and uh, she said she could see light and dark, which she'd not seen for 40 years. And we prayed for a, a few weeks, we prayed with her, and gradually, over coming over once a week uh, for four or five weeks, her eyesight was completely restored. And that Christmas, she gave me this little cross stitch bookmark. Now, the kids give us these when they were little, and I think I even remember doing one when I was at school. I don't think I could do one there. But why I keep this one above all is, is you know, someone who was blind 40 years cross-stitched that, which I think is fairly conclusive proof <laughs> that she can see. And um, I saw her the other day and asked to read in the contents on a tin of soup or something, so I'm not sure I could do that. But um, she was healed after 40 years, no knowledge of the love of God. Some years ago... Um, we went to, we, we have a ministry in Rwanda 
and I went, um, I think it was the second time I went to Rwanda, and they'd asked me just to go to this village called Numata. Numata is where, uh, it's the district where most, you know, the, the largest number of people were killed during the Rwandan genocide. It's also this, where the East African revival began, one of the, the, the places where the East African revival began. So we went to this little village, and we were supposed to speak to 30 vicars uh, and give them some training, but word had got round, and when we got there, there were like 1,200, 1,500 people there, and um, we couldn't fit them in the church, so we just held the meeting outside, and we prayed for the sick every night. On the third night, I, I felt the Lord was saying, ask if anyone's been healed. And um, I try to have faith, but, you know, sometimes I don't have faith. People think I just walk around with 100% faith. And I just thought after three nights, I don't think any, maybe a headache or two. I don't want to ask. There's 1,500, 1,200 people here. You know, three people put their hands. That looks a bit naff. So I, I was reluctant, and I felt the Lord say, ask. So uh, Father knows best. So I said, you know, did anyone get healed? over the last three nights. About two-thirds of the crowd put their hand up and we began having testimonies. All different things. A weeping sore that had been weeping for ages just dried up overnight. And all the time we were having testimonies, I could see uh, an African man at the back doing this. So in the end, I said to the interpreter, can we find out what that man is doing at the back? Because, you know, it's a bit distracting. So what he was saying was that Four men carried him to the meeting uh, on a mat because he was crippled, he couldn't walk. And he's just showing everyone, not only can he walk, he can dance. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> it's Jesus doing what he always did. And uh, sometimes, you know, people say, oh, I, should get, I should get the healing checked out by a doctor. And uh, I was in um, somewhere in Essex or somewhere, and uh, I can't remember where it was, been to that many places. But anyway, this, this man, you know, uh, at the end, he said, uh, I, I had arthritis in my knees for the last sort of four or five years, and I can't squat down. It's extremely painful if I try and squat down. Um, and he squatted down five times and said, there's no pain. And then his wife shouted out, he should know, he's a GP. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's good. You can verify your own healing right there. So we can, I find there are two ways to get healed. One is through the anointing of God, and I believe the anointing of God will come tonight for those who want healing. But there's also, if we believe what God says, we, we come to faith, the Bible says, that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, or actually it says it the other way around, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we will be saved. And that's kind of how faith works. And faith for salvation is the same as faith for healing or anything else. So we find out what God's word says. And uh, Psalm 103, the first few verses is a good one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. In other words, everything we've done wrong. Remember a man years ago told me, he knew God could never forgive him because of what he'd done was so bad. Well, that, that's a lie of the devil. Because it says here that he forgives all our iniquities. And the Hebrew word translated all means all. I've looked it up. <laughs> then it says he heals all your diseases. 
He redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. So I think that's a great verse. I often quote that when I get up in the morning and I can't quite get up out of bed as quick as I want to. I declare my youth is being renewed like the eagles. I want to be a teenager again. And as we read the Gospels, you see that uh, the way that Jesus forgave our sin is the same, it's the same covenant that brings healing. Um, you see in uh, the woman caught in adultery in John 8, uh, verse 6 to 8, they brought this woman, I, I don't know what happened to the man, they didn't bring the man, so I don't think it was, I don't think they were really concerned about the adultery. <laughs> I think, well it says they were trying to trap him. And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now, we never told what he wrote in the dust. Um, but it's fascinating. He stooped down and wrote on the ground. Some have suggested he was writing the Ten Commandments. Uh, others were saying that he had a revelation of their sin and wrote specific sins down. We don't know. He could have been doodling. We don't know. But... Uh, he wasn't being pressurised. They continued asking him, and he raised himself up and said to them, whoever's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And it says in the Old Testament that the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone were written by the finger of God. And here is the finger of God when someone's been accused of breaking one of those commands, that he chooses to write in the dirt in the ground. And in fact, there was somebody there who was without sin, who could have, who was qualified to throw the first stone, and that was Jesus. He was without sin. And yet he says to the woman, uh, does anyone condemn you? And she says, no, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So he doesn't say that the sin doesn't matter. But he doesn't condemn her because Jesus is in the restoration business and he heals, he healed her soul, her self-esteem and her sin. And then you see it again when the man is let down through the roof, when the four friends break open the roof, the man is crippled and they lower him down in front of Jesus. And uh, when he heals him, he says, get up, your sin is forgiven. And people say, oh, you can't say that. Only God can forgive sin. Yeah, there's a hint there. <laughs> That's why he's saying it. And Jesus said, well, which is easier to say your sin is forgiven or rise up, take up your mat and go home? And he, that's what he says to the man. And the man is healed. In, uh, in Matthew 8, 17, it says, he, speaking about the cross, he took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. The healing covenant is bound in with that. The messianic prophecy in Isaiah 53 and verse 5 says by the stripes by his stripes we are healed back in Exodus right near the beginning of the Bible God reveals himself and says I'm Jehovah Rapha I'm the Lord your healer uh, I don't know what God will do tonight but I know he will do something because the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God so something has to happen and I'm always amazed at what God does so I can't predict that I think the strangest 
thing I've had in the last few years, and some of you heard this story, but I'm just going to mention it briefly, was a lady in Blackpool who was blind, registered blind for 25 years. And she came to a meeting we had in an Anglican church, came forward with about uh, 30 other people. We prayed, nothing happened. And then when she was in the foyer, uh, her friend brought her over and shook my hand. And that's when she got a sight back, but she couldn't tell me because she was overwhelmed. And when I met her a year later, she told me that what happened is for 25 years when she closed her eyes, she just saw a white light. And then six months before the healing service, she closed her eyes one night and she saw this man's face. And from that day for six months, every, every night she closed her eyes, she saw the same man's face. And she said, what happened? So when I came to you in the foyer, when you shook my hand, my eyes opened and it was your face that I'd been seeing for six months. Now, I don't know what to make of that, other than that it scares me a little bit because it means that for the six months... You know, all the times I had a little hissy fit and walked around the house saying, I'm giving up, I can't go on anymore. <laughs> um, as I do from time to time, God actually had something planned for, for me to do. And that's why, even when I have those little fits, I don't actually carry them out. That's just me, I'm a little strop in the corner. That's something that God's working on. But it's amazing that God reached out to that lady and showed her something about the future. Uh, And even she didn't understand it. But God is there. And the other thing about that story, and this is very important, that sometimes people come forward, they pray for healing, and nothing happens then, and so they think it doesn't work. And they, they lose their faith. But you know, when the servants of Jairus came to him, when Jesus was on the way, they said, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter's dead. But Jesus said, Keep believing or only believe. So it's never too late. And if it doesn't look like it's working, keep believing. We're going to pray and uh, we're going to worship again in a moment. And um, what I want us to do is, in this time of worship, is to just think about seeking God's face, which is the point of worship, (laughs) Uh, and just try and hear his voice And uh, there may be some of you here tonight that don't know him and he loves you and he wants you to have that close relationship with him. So in the worship, just whisper to him, Lord, come into my life. And and then after we've had some worship, I'm going to come back and we're going to pray for any who need healing uh, or a breakthrough. Let's just pray though before we uh, go back into worship. Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That just as he opened blind eyes and deaf ears, made the lame to walk, the dumb to speak. Just as he drove out the powers of darkness. Just that he, as he restored the broken, we thank you that you're the same Jesus and you do all the same things today. So we come tonight expecting miracles. Miracles of healing, of blessing, of the Father's love, of breakthrough. And we echo that prayer we've prayed a thousand times. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this place as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening today. Uh, do drop me a, an email to don at rsvptrust.co.uk. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and to know which parts of the world uh, this message is getting. And uh, I pray that God will really meet with you, that you will know him uh, very closely and that you will get your breakthrough this week in Jesus' name. Amen. The RSVP Trust changing lives around the world.